Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash style. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rating hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash style, as in peristyle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-T-Y-L-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash style. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, a little travel time, so we didn't get to have our guest today, Coach Harvey Hyde, on our new normal slot on Sunday. I was still in Austin, Texas, traveling back. We did do an emergency Peristyle Podcast where I was with Shotgun Spratling. You can check that out. We also put up our Tunnel Vision Sunday show up in podcast form. So you got some some podcasting from us here at the Parastyle Podcast. Uh, but now we're going to a regular group. We got Harvey Hyde today. I'm going to do Dan Weber even a little bit later on today. So you're going to get two big podcasts today. And then our Podcast of Champions show. So me and David Woods will be talking Pac-12. So I got a lot of talking to do today. But I'm loving talking with the coach, Harvey Hyde. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email or you can call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. We got calls. We got texts. We got emails. Got tweets. We got everything you could ask for. And we're going to get it all from the coach, Harvey Hyde. What is up, coach? How you doing? Well, Ryan, uh, it's great to have you back from Austin. Uh, I um, don't know where to start on this, but I'm going to allow you to uh, sort of lead off. But uh Trojans are one and two, uh, on one in Pac-12 uh, conference. Um, cross time, ca- cross town. The only thing you can say is UCLA is zero and three. Okay, <laughs> so I think that's one way to start it, and uh, and then we'll just go from there. But I'm just going to sort of give you the lead so that we can get started here, because I'm sure we have a lot of questions and a lot to talk about. And I want everybody to know before we get started that it's just our opinion or my opinion. I'll speak for myself on what I saw and all I talk about is what I see. Yeah. Uh, same thing with me. Um, and before we jump into it all, just want to thank Southern California tickets. If you want to go to SoCalTixTix.com, they can hook you up. You got a game on Friday. It's a short week. Everything's, you know, besides the loss at Austin, you got a short week heading in. Uh, to this weekend's game. So Southern California tickets can help you get tickets to USC and Washington State. You can call them at 1-800-888-7287 or go to, like I said, SoCalTix.com. 
Um, yeah, so it's a short week. There's Everything's kind of condensed, a little bit crazy uh, with the travel schedule and all that stuff coming back from Austin, Texas. One and two, like you mentioned, we had a lot of people write in. I mean, we're going to try, like I, I've been saying this every week and I apologize, and we're not trying to be jerks or anything. Um, but if you write like a two page email, we just can't read it. Like you definitely go post it on the message boards. We do want to hear from you, but if it's that long, uh, put it on the message boards. We got 26 voicemails <laughs> coach over the last wow. two days. Um, some of them were three minutes long and they would get cut off and they'd call back and call for another three minutes. Like you got to have your own show at that point. So, Hey, Tommy in Arizona, I'm sorry. Uh, JB from the OC, um, Ray from Riverside. I think he said four, like three minute messages. We, I can't even listen to them at this point. So I'm, I'm very sorry. I'm not trying to be pretentious or whatever, but just, we get so much in here, keep them short to the point. Um, we'd love to hear from you. It's just, we want to make it tight and, uh, you know, people don't want to listen to six minutes of someone's voicemail calling in. Cause that's, you know, that's like 10% of the show. So we're not going to do that. Uh, but we'll try, we got a bunch of voicemails still. We're going to get to short, some of the shorter ones. We will play. Uh, a lot of questions we got to get to coach, but I thought, you know, maybe just if you have a few thoughts off the top coach, and then we'll just jump into the questions. I think we'll probably cover just about everything, but if there's uh you have a few thoughts just burning that you need to get out that maybe you didn't tweet out, follow them on Twitter at coach Harvey Hyde, share them with us now. Well, I think uh, when you're looking at the program, you're not looking at one game. I think you have to look at the entire program uh, what we've watched during a period of time and what I've seen and observed that I'm not really surprised. Uh, what I mean by that, uh, you go all the way back to the spring or you can go all the way back to the Holiday Bowl when they played Wisconsin and had seven days of practice as far as preparing to, for that, to the spring practices when there wasn't a lot of physical activity. In fact, the past couple of spring games have been a a circus, or more or less uh, not a game-like situation, but a playtime. And I don't think that's how you prepare the type of competition that you're going to face in USC. Everybody wants to beat USC. The way you wear your uniform, the way you travel, uh, I'm not sure if this is true or not. I think you tweeted out a picture, or someone did, of someone getting off the plane in a cape and uh, all the different things that, you know, demonstrate of, of uh, maybe the lack of control or the discipline at practice on how people wear their uniforms and everybody's in a different uniform with a different shirt or rolled up sleeves. These are the things I've talked about when you talk about, you know, when you go and play on Saturday or when you travel on a team, or when you eat in a restaurant, you represent the university in everything you do. And it's not just one combination of just on the field or the offensive line or the defensive line or any of that. It's part of the pride of the university, what you represent and how you execute on and off the field. And it's not how many things you do, it's the things you do, do them properly. Ride the bus better than anybody else. Get off the plane better than anybody else. Warm up better than anybody else. Go to the uh, coin flip better than anybody else. Uh, be more polite than anybody else. And then when the ball kicks off, be tougher than anybody else. Because that's the things you've had to learn as far as discipline in your program. And now it's time for you to demonstrate that all of those things add up to a great football program. And uh, 
that's what I start with. And then I now get to the football season itself. I think personally, uh, the teams they played, they should be undefeated. If they have done or tried to accomplish the things that fit their personnel, JT Daniels is an outstanding prospect. Are they helping him be successful? I'm not sure. There are freshman quarterbacks all over the country that are not Gatorade player, players of the year, or their team didn't win the national championship as far as in high school. And one I'll just pick out is the Texas Tech who threw 602 yards last weekend, and and others who are winning, like Jim Frome last year from Georgia, who almost won a national championship, is what you do, how you do it, and how and what your philosophy is and identity is on offense and defense. It's not a lot of things you do, but do those things right and make one compensate for the other so they both are on the same page, and they must be. The offense, the defense, and the special teams, they must execute consistently with effectiveness. And I don't think you've seen that with the USC football program. The special teams continually have problems. The offense has problems. Uh, if it isn't this, it's that. Or they continue to use the excuse, which I don't believe is fair to the kid. And you keep saying, oh, he should still be in high school. No, he's at USC, and he's your starting quarterback. And uh, the defense uh, the defense is the strength of our our football team yet, I don't see the type of performance that I think that deserves all the praise that they're getting. When UNLV rushes for over 300 yards in the opening game, there is concern. So let's get into the questions. I'm just sort of opening uh, our discussion today. So, Ryan, let's go. Yeah, I think uh, good stuff there, Coach. Let's, uh, let's start with a text message from George and Oxenard. He says, what is your take? Hey, coach, what is your take on what Aka Cedric Ware said after the game? As a coach, are you mad at the kid? How would you handle that? And how would, and what would you take from it? He was only stating the obvious fight on said, frustrated George and Oxenard. If you don't know what he said, um, it was a, a scrum around him and they kind of asked him like, what, you know, what could you do differently? Um, and w- one of his answers was he felt that they practiced quote unquote lazy the last two weeks and he needed, they said to need more leadership. He wants to step up himself as a more vocal leader. Uh, but he kind of put it on the coaches that they weren't really, you know, having hard practices the last two weeks. And then when Clay Helton was asked specifically about it, he said, you know, he might've been referencing last Thursday where the offense wasn't that uh, sharp. And then we addressed it and took care of it. I don't believe that's what he was re- addressing at all. Um, I think, uh, Tyler Vaughn said something similar at practice on Monday because they moved everything up. Uh, what are your thoughts that when Akacetric Ware essentially called out the, the coaches, Coach? Well, you know, uh, I don't like to see people start to point fingers. Uh, and I think this is what happens when kids uh, get disappointed when their preseason is and their preseason and they're all five stars or four stars and they expect to uh, win football games, and all of a sudden it doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen with ease, or all of a sudden it, it's embarrassing. And I think basically uh, it's an embarrassing situation for the football program, the university, uh, on what's being uh, presented on the football field. 
as far as what's apps, what's happening, what what's what's happening, and to continually say, "I'm proud of these kids. They're playing hard. They're doing this. You're doing that." You're not answering the questions of what everybody's looking at and asking about. As far as yes, we all are proud of everybody, but there's problems that need to be corrected. And what happens? The kids start to uh, speak for the coaches, as far as hey, you know. Uh, we need to clean things up. Hey, I'm embarrassed. In fact, we tried to find a way to sneak out of the locker room to get on the plane to come home the way we played. I mean, let's put it on what's wrong with the program. We're not running our offense properly, and when we know who to hit, we're not hitting them. And then part of the time, or most of the time, we're missing most of our blocks, or we're not tackling well in the open field, or the receivers are wide open, or we're not taking advantage of the defenses that we see, and we're not executing. Uh, the block field, the field goal is a 10-point turnaround, and you look at it, and you know exactly what happened. I mean, I don't want to say, yes, it is coaching. When I watch an up-back, and an up-back on the left side is blocking outside in, that's the opposite way that you block on an up-back, because if you go inside out, if you bump the outside guy, he can't get to the angle of blocking the field goal anyway. And they have seen a lot of field goal attempts by USC because that's what they've been kicking a lot of field goals. So they spotted that and they utilized that to block that field goal. So you can see the things on how teams are taking advantage of what USC is doing. And as far as, you know, the, the fourth and two situation, when they're in the double tight with a toss to the right with no lead blockers, a formation they don't utilize, everybody on the line of scrimmage, the defensive backs, uh, Keen one back with no lead backs, uh, just ran right out there and stopped him for no gain. I mean, there's no, doesn't make sense of what you're doing. So I think that's what everybody's seen, and they want those type of things addressed. And I think those type of things aren't being addressed. And I think you have to be proud enough to say we need some corrections and improving on the coaching side as well as the player side. It's not one side that's not doing well. It's all of us. Yeah, It's a part of the execution as far as the play calling, as far as the tackling, as far as what we're doing defensively. We're giving up big plays. We can't cover. I mean, uh, it, I think it's just a complete bunch of termites that have gotten into the program. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what Akacentric Ware was saying, Coach, was specifically more about, and what people were pulling out of that was how the, this team is practicing, not practicing hard enough. And it's funny, so they moved up the practice schedule. Well, here's what, here's what I'm saying. You can practice hard, but unless you're coaching hard, and doing the right things, it doesn't make any difference how hard you practice, but you're not teaching the right things. Yeah. So you have to, it's a combination of both. Practicing hard, teaching hard, and teaching the correct ways of winning. Okay. Um, well, like, yeah, so what I was saying, that yesterday, they basically on Monday was the Tuesday practice. So normally that's a full pads practice. They, uh, they normally would take Sunday off. Uh, they weren't able to do that because of, um, you know, the travel and, and having a Friday game. Uh, yesterday's practice was not in full pads. So I think a lot of fans wanted to see, hey, put an extra day of full pads. 
And unless they come out differently, full pads later today when we go to practice, uh, it would be like a you know you would you go a full week without having a full pads practice. So Jesse Rodriguez wrote in. He said, uh, "Could you please explain uh, to me how do the players clearly see that they are not practicing hard enough? Practicing enough, hard enough, and this poor excuse for a coaching staff can't see it. I just it just saddens me to see all these great talented players at USC being wasted by these JC level coaches." They have failed to develop anyone. Sorry for the rant. Uh, he just wants the coaches to go away. Love, love the show, Jesse Rodriguez. Well, Jesse, well, I'm not going to advocate any firing of any coaches or anything, but what I'm saying, I, I think this is a topic we've talked about for not months but years about as far as you learn to play football by the way you practice football. Ones against ones, you learn more during the week than you do during the game. My philosophy was when the games come, they're easy because your practices have put you in a position where you feel they are because you've been practicing that hard and you look forward to the game. And you have the confidence that no matter what you're challenged with, you can accomplish. How many times have you heard me say when you put your short yardage package together, when you get into the red zone and it's a fourth and two or fourth and three, you put 12 guys on defense when you scrimmage so that when you do get into the end zone, you know 11 guys, you'll always get in. And you have a short yardage package that you know you can get to when it's third and two on the red zone or on the goal first and three. Hey, you know what you're going to do. You're going to say you can't stop us, and out of that you have such great play-action packages out of double tights with wings and two backs in the backfield. It's unbelievable. It's almost unstoppable when you execute it properly. And I think you have to learn this by going full speed. I used to practice, and you guys heard me say this, on Thursdays. Thursdays, full gear, we went ones against ones on goal line offense. Why? And short yardage offense, why that one line meant so many, much more than the rest of the lines in the football field. You can cross all those other lines. But if you don't cross this one line, you don't get any points, or you don't get a first down. And you've got to start emphasizing that, working on it. Not today, but that should have started a long time ago. You can't all of a sudden get tough. You've got to start tough, and then you can ease up a little bit, and if it doesn't, isn't executing the way you want, you get tough again. So I think that's what you've got to do, and with a short week, you don't have a lot of time to do that. In fact, if I, and excuse me for rambling, but when you came back from Austin as a team, I would have met that night with my staff and that team, three in the morning, I don't care what it was. We'd had a meeting and we'd have said, how many of you guys feel good about ourselves? How many of you are looking forward to picking up the newspaper tomorrow? How many of you are looking forward to going to class on Monday? None of us. I know I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have wanted to go to a coffee shop if I was the coach and have a cup of coffee in public or go to the press conference. I know how I would have felt. Well, then we got to change this. As a coaching staff, you look at yourself first and your coaching staff. You let the team go home, and then you have meetings. And as a football coach, you've got to recognize what you're doing wrong or you've got to ask for help. And if you're not sure offensively what's wrong, you call up Norm Chow. I'm just throwing a name out. 
I'm not saying this is, you know, always the answer, but you ask Norm and consult, what have you seen, if he would do that. You ask for help because you need help on diversifying your offense so that you can accomplish what you need to accomplish on the offensive side of the ball. Now, it might be too late, but I don't see why that wasn't done way back. Norm lives in Torrance. Why isn't he, as Nick Saban has all of his head coaches down there that are consultants who are Southeastern Conference head coaches like Jones from Tennessee as an, as an assistant, as Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, it's sort of a rehab program for coaches to work under Nick Saban. I think there's ways of putting in a different uh, look at your program. Sometimes you're around things too long, and I call it a family tree. And I think at USC there's been a family tree there a little bit in the coaching world. What I mean by that is they lived the first couple of years off of Pete Carroll. After Pete Carroll left, the program was there, the players were there, they had some sanctions and so on, but they had enough tradition and players carry over to win a few football games during that sanction period. Did well during the sanction period, when you consider it. But then it started to deplete. Uh, the younger coaches hadn't had the experience. There was a, you know, Lane Kiffin was removed as far as a coach. Then Steve Sarkeesian had his problems, and then Clay Helton got the job, and you know, it's all a part of promoting within, and then the family atmosphere of Western Kentucky and different parts of the country was put into USC, and they lost the, the, the tradition or what power football is all about and what, what people considered USC Trojan football. There's not really anybody out there that sees what USC Trojan football is expected as far as the old people are concerned. Right now on the West Coast, San Diego State might be the toughest football program in Southern California. Uh, not I'm might not be. Say, huh? <laughs> not might be. <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, I want to yeah. say that. And what do they do? They run great defense, great special teams. They line up in the eye and different things, and they just pound you, okay? They just pound you. So, I think that a lot of people would like to see, they consider the program soft now because of they've lost the image or the tradition of people throwing out the white flag and surrendering. And uh, I think this is what needs to be established. And, and I want to see that happen, but it's got to be there with uh, someone who knows how to do that and has grown up under that system. Before we get back to talking about the Texas game, I want to tell you about Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Did you know 66% of men will lose their hair by age 35? Thing is, when you start to notice it, it's too late. You want to keep the hair you have. It's much easier to replace the hair you lost. So do you want a bald spot to pop up? Or do you want so do you want to do something about it first? Do you want your hairline to recede? Or do you want to do something about it first? So you can use 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims will connect you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help 
keep your hair. There's no waiting room, no awkward in-person doctor visits. You can save hours by going to 4 So order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 right now while supplies last. See website for details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 slash USC. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash USC. 4 slash USC. All right, uh, let's go to a voicemail kind of along the practice line, too, then we'll get to some other topics. Hi, this is John from Tustin. I personally know, and I should start off by saying this is either for Coach Harvey Hyde or Dan Weber, who I really enjoy, and I enjoy the podcast. But I personally know several players who played under Pete Carroll, and they told me that their practice, nobody practiced as hard or as fast as they did. At least that's the way they felt, and I think it reflected that in the games. Um, I just like your assessment on this. I, I, we, I just read a uh, Sports Illustrated article that says that we've had the top five recruiting classes or have been in the top five over the past five years. We're right there with Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. I mean, what can be the problem here? Um, it's got to come down to coaching. My son played for Modern Day High School, played football for Modern Day High School. I never saw those guys practice without full pass. I didn't even know what a sh- shells were until I'm, I'm starting to hear that uh, uh, SC is playing in only shells. Anyway, thanks again for the podcast. It's very good. I really enjoy it. Again, this is John from Tustin. Well, John, thank you very much. Uh, I feel the same way. I feel that, uh, you know, when you practice in a uniform, you feel like a football player. And you go out with protective equipment on and you do the things you need to do and you run the speed you need to run because you've got your equipment on. And it's on properly, as you were in the game. You don't demonstrate individualism. You wear it the way uh, you wear a tuxedo. Uh, you get better every day. What is my statement? Statement I always say: Game day is every day. The only way you can get ready for Saturday is practice like game day is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I think this is exactly when you hit the field. Your helmet is on, and you're ready to go. And uh, the 30 minutes or hour, or hour and a half that you use or utilize out there. You can't waste a minute. You've got to play like a football player, act like a football player, look like a football player. And that's a carryover pattern that you have. And you heard me say you travel like a football player. You wear your uniform off the football field like a football player. And all of a sudden, you start to believe you are a football player, starting from the dress of the coaches, the way you appear on the sideline the way your sideline discipline is, the way you ride the bus better than anybody else, the way you get off the bus better than anybody else, and the way you leave the locker room after the game. My trainers and equipment guys used to sweep the locker room, and I would demand it look cleaner when we left than when we got there. This is all part of a football program, and I think this is part of exactly what you're talking about. When you go to work as a surgeon, when you're doing surgery, you don't do it with a plier and a screwdriver. You do it with 
the instruments and scrubbing up and the things that you do so your client or your patient lives, not dies. So you prepare when you come through the gate that you're going onto the field to win or make sure you live on Saturday to celebrate Saturday night that you are successful. And I think it starts with all the little things, all the little things around a football program on everything you do. So I can't get into everything, but I've always said I agree with you. You've got to practice at the speed of game. You can't turn up the intensity on game. Um, there's some questions, Coach, about the team's identity. Uh, Tarek wants to know what what should USC's identity be going forward. And then Sean in Sacramento, um, he's talking about identity in a different way. He says, Clay Helton seems to be under the mistaken impression that sticking to a routine is how you establish a team's identity. As a result, he is unwilling to budge from his routine, and USC's team has no identity. From your experience, what gives a team its identity – beyond a routine, beyond a coaching staff, what are the more important intangibles this team should focus on to develop an identity? Fight on Sean Sacramento. So a couple questions on identity, Coach. Well, uh, we're going to talk about just the identity. We talked about off the field and other identities. Let's just talk about on the field identities. First of all, what offense are you running? I'd love to go to a clinic, just hear T. Martin talk about what offense does he run and what if they do this or what if they do that? What do you do? What's your adjustments? What's your reads? Um, uh, what series do you run? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to know exactly uh, what your short yard series is, the purpose of it. When do you consider yourself in the red zone and what do you do? Uh, yeah, do you run bootleg? Do you run flood patterns? Do you hit the middle of the se- uh, seams with your tight end? I mean, what is the purpose of a tight end? Uh, the whole, the whole. Thing, I like to just hear him speak. I would like to know so I could become more educated on what they're doing. Normally, when you go to a clinic as a coach, someone has really demonstrated that they're very successful at what they do offensively, and you take your notepads and later you want to meet him in the bar or the coffee shop and get the real, real details of how they run their offense and defense. Right now, when I look at their offense, I say I wouldn't want to run that offense. So I think this is one identity problem right there. So I don't know what their identity is. On the defensive side of the football, I look at their identity and I say, they're running a two-man front. I think it's very difficult. I'd rather run a four-man front where you get your four down linemen in the game where you can contain the quarterback better. They've never been able to contain a quarterback running up the middle when it's third and down. How depressing is it when it's third and nine, everyone's covered, and the quarterback runs up the middle or runs outside and gets first down? Or you're down on the goal line, and they get a 6'5 quarterback like Texas has that runs about 4'9", and he runs an outside keep for two touchdowns on you, and you can't stop him. I mean, Why? What What is going on? I mean, that's that's really discouraging. So I think you have to have an identity on defense, too. You've heard me say, and I don't know if you're a regular podcaster or not, his defense is all designed on getting to the play before it starts. If you don't do that, it's disaster. I've talked to you about corners. I've talked to you about covering. I've talked to you about big plays they give up. You can't do that. 
you've got to bend a little bit, but you can't break. And they break a lot. You can't allow that to happen. And when you look at their offensive side of the football and how many points they've scored, hell, UC Davis scored a touchdown on Stanford, and they couldn't. So you you really wonder what their identity is on offense, defense, and special teams. Please, let's don't get into that. I mean, I, I don't understand. And again, I know John Baxter. I like John Baxter. But to him, praise, I've got the best special teams coach in the country every Sunday or Monday. Maybe you do, but he sure doesn't appear like they're playing that way. With the mistakes they do, and I don't know, I'd probably have somebody from the student body come out, and your son or daughter can punt farther than they're punting the ball. I mean, it's embarrassing to average 30 yards a punt or whatever, the 16 yards a punt in front of 105,000 people in a national television audience? I mean, what will people think, I mean, uh, when those type of, of things happen and block field goals or whatever? I mean, those things, not only is it poor football, it's basically embarrassing to a football coach or embarrassing to a football program or to the football fans that support that team. And that's all I can say on that. Hey, Coach, so you mentioned that, and I think that's where a lot of the fans that are upset about, because special teams were awful, and Clay Hilton is not going to come out and say, we were terrible on special teams. He's coming out and and praising John Baxter, and it just seems to rub the fans the wrong way. I mean, I've really been harping on special teams. They they said so many resources are used on special teams. Besides a full-time assistant coach, besides five scholarship players, on special teams, including two punters, uh, both of which punted there. And I'm not blaming individual kids, but you, the way you allocate the resources and about a third of their their practice time is towards special teams where a lot of guys are standing around doing nothing. So to me, they invest way too much into special teams. What is, like As a coach, what does that tell you when the head coach comes out and like defends his um, you know assistant coach like that? At some point, you just have to say, you know what, I love John Baxter, but... He's not getting it done right now. We're going to fix it. Like I, I think fans would love to hear that, and they're not getting that right now. Well, I think you have to be loyal to your staff, but again, you have to be smart enough to say your football fans or media reporters or observers are intelligent about football. And for you to say things that they say, what? Then they wonder about your intelligence. And I think you have to be able to, if you listen to Nick Saban, he'll, he'll win 51-7, to seven, be all upset because they gave up a touchdown. He's saying, we got to fix things. We're going to tell you, believe me, he will fix things. He will go in, and that guy won't get out of the locker room before he'll ask why that happened and so on and this and that. And so on. You've got to put uh, a stop on these things. You can't praise that shouldn't be praised. Uh, I don't know how many times Nick Saban says positive things. He says it was a great win. The greatest statement I've ever heard him say was after they won the national championship game this last year, he said, this is the happiest I've ever been. I said, wow, it was a great win, but to be the happiest you've ever been. Normally, it's always a constructive type of comment that we did play well, but 
we can be better. And I think that when you become satisfied or you, or you command things that aren't right, then you're encouraging it. So you can't mislead players. You can't mislead the public. You can't mislead your coaches that you're satisfied. Because all of a sudden that means you're satisfied in just losing or playing well. So I think you've got to be honest up front with everybody that what we're experiencing and what we're going through is not is not what we're trying to do, and I am going to correct it no matter what, which means change players or change coaches. And I'm not advocating that at all, but I would make sure my staff understood that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that would uh, people would love that <laughs> to hear some changes. Um, let's uh, here's another voicemail for you, Coach. Here we go. This is Richard from uh, Palm Springs. Well, guys, where do we start? Pathetic punting, pathetic penalties, Porter Gustin, no running game, poor secondary, a soft, weak line, no intensity, no leadership, no heart. Big game for Clay Helton. He can't handle it and play. Stop talking about national championships and five-star recruits. It's getting really old. You look like you were completely overwhelmed. Uh, I think the defense had a pretty good game. I feel sorry for Daniels because the line just can't handle it. you got to go out and get somebody, Clay. And if I was you, I would sit down and have a heart-to-heart talk with Lynn Swan. Both of you need it. Thank you and enjoy the show. Bye. Well, um, yes, uh, I would think that I would go into Lynn Swan and I would uh, tell Lynn that I'm not very happy at all with our performance of our team. And for you not to think much of our team right now would be something I would agree with you on. And I think we need to fix some things. And I would start to know if you don't know what's wrong with your team right now as far as performance and so on, then you got a problem. Because you've got to be able to recognize what a good football team is and what a good football team is doing right or what they're doing wrong. And uh, I would say that I'm planning or hoping to make whatever is necessary to make this a better football team. And I would get his support on it or find what his support is or what his attitude is. You need to know that before you decide to do certain things. And... uh, I would see if I still had his support was I hope he that Lynn still given him his support. But the, because right now, really looking at the Trojan schedule, if they got their things together and did some of the things we're talking about, they could win out ten and two. I mean, really, uh, when you look at their schedule, I mean, yeah. Colorado, trash. really, yeah. <laughs> Colorado and Utah might be their biggest challenges. Notre Dame is a pretender; they haven't proved to me. You know, they beat a Michigan team. Michigan's not any good. They, they almost lost to Ball State. But they struggle against Vanderbilt. So, you know, I think they, they're they okay. But why should they be able to beat the Trojans? They haven't done anything, really. And uh, UCLA is not very well. Arizona, Arizona State, uh, so-so. They're not any good. So you still could really salvage a good football season. So we're not saying the season's over. We're saying, you know, you got to improve or you're not going to win any games. Yeah. Because 
preparing for Washington State on a short week, hey, that's a difficult thing to do, but you haven't faced anything like Washington State and what they do offensively. How do you get ready for them? When they're going to throw the ball 60 times, they're going to throw short passes, deep passes. You're not going to get to him very much because he always has a dump off. They're 3-0. and They haven't beat anybody. Believe me, they haven't beat anybody. Wyoming, San Jose State, and Eastern Washington. But they believe because they are winning, and they're coming to the Coliseum where most of their team is from, Southern California, and they want to prove to the Trojans they took the wrong guys, that we're the real guys. I mean, I don't believe USC recruited one guy on their team. I don't know or offered a scholarship to them, maybe, but they find a way to win because they do the right things that they need to do at Washington State to win. They have an identity. Is there any question that we don't know what Washington State's identity is? Well, okay, that identity is to throw the ball and beat you that way. Well, I don't know what USC's identity is. But we know what Washington State is, and they're not intimidated. They beat them last year with Sam Darnold, okay? So they're not afraid to come here. And unless the Trojans prepare, and it's not going to be easy to prepare for them, and the way you prepare for them is keep the ball away from them. Do not allow them to have the football. Time of possession you have to have, which means you don't have incomplete passes, you run the football, you dominate the line of scrimmage, you don't get sacked, and they move the they move around a lot on defense, and they're going to try to confuse you. Why are they going to try to confuse you on defense, which you haven't proven you can block a base defense? So they're going to try to confuse you with players maybe that aren't as good, but are going to be really hard to find. So this is what you're going to face, and you better be ready for it. Yeah, the, the USC offensive line has definitely had a hard time finding rushers. It's not that they've been overwhelmed. It's just that they don't, uh, they're don't. they not finding guys. And Washington State's going to be undersized, quick defense, and uh, that's going to be a big challenge. There's a lot of uh, – people talk about change a lot. Coach, we actually put a thing out, hashtag USC change. So USC, C-H-A-N-G-E, if you want we – are, we are proposing one thing you could change – to make this team better, not, you know, people want to say, do this, do this. It was like, Hey, one thing. So we were asking people to do that, like on Twitter and stuff, hashtag USC change. John Abrea wrote in and said, he's going to give you a list of three things. He said, which of the following would you institute as a change, but you can only pick one that you believe will have the greatest impact on this team. So he says, one team's got to huddle two, never punt and three hire Pat Hill as a quote unquote toughness consultant. That's John and Brea. Mm-hmm. Pat Hill was an assistant of mine. <laughs> Pat Hill was an assistant of mine at UNLV, then became the head coach at at Fresno State and still a part of the program. Uh, well, I thought, and I'll be honest with you, I thought that when Clay Helton was looking for an offensive line coach that he would hire Pat Hill. I was hoping. Okay, Pat wanted the job. And Pat's a an offensive line coach. He cost, he coached the offensive line for me. He coached at uh, Cleveland, I think, and a couple other places, okay? Atlanta, he's a hell of an offensive line coach, and he's a fiery guy, and he loves to recruit. He's a great recruiter, okay? Uh, he didn't get that job. So I'm just commenting on Pat Hill. That's all I'm commenting on. Yeah, he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy, okay? And I think toughness is always a part of football. I don't think that you want to uh, 
play football is you're tough on anywhere you play, okay? And on a football team, no matter what the position is. Uh, as far as punting, no, you got to punt the football because that determines the whole part of your game where you have field position. Look at the defense this past football game where the defense had to go in and, and play and defend a short territory because the punter can't punt the football. That's all they have to do is punt the football, okay? That's all I'm asking you to do. I'll pay I'll I'll feed you three meals a day. I'll do this and that. Just go in the game. Play six plays, okay? Just play six plays, maybe eight plays, and please punt the football, okay? And when you can't do that, I say, wow, I don't know what I'm going to do. I would really would. You think I'm kidding you. If you can't put the ball better than that, I'd try to try out. Somebody can kick the ball in the student body at USC. But, so you got to put the football. What was the third thing you gave me an option on? Oh, it was the huddling. The huddling is something I've talked about all the time, especially we have a, uh, an experienced quarterback and you need communication because I'm not sure they're communicating that well. You don't run a hurry-up offense. You just stand and look to the sideline. There's no togetherness. All of a sudden, then you go out in the line of scrimmage, and I would remind them each play, please don't hold on the offensive line uh, and, and this and that because those guys will get some type of penalty. And and I'd make sure everybody understood what the play was. Digest it, no, because I don't think they audibleize much and run the play. And it and you're on the line of scrimmage, so you turn around and go up three steps, get in your stance, and you've had the chance to look at everybody and say, we got to score on this play, guys. And then you tell the receiver, remember, if you're not there, I'm looking at you at the backside at the post. That's if I have time. Please give me time, okay? And then you got to make sure you have the white blocking scheme in. So if they are coming, you've got to block them solid so your formation sets the defense so you know you got a chance. And you can do that in the huddle better than just staring at the sideline because if one guy misses it, you got a busted play. Uh, I don't know. You know, this fad about not huddling is sort of, uh, you know, oh, I wonder why. But let's don't get into that. So I think huddling is good, especially when you have a young quarterback. But that's not why they're not winning. So, But I think it'd be a good suggestion. So I'm saying all three of your suggestions are right on, but except for punting the football. you got to be able to punt the football. Here's another voicemail question. Hi, Ryan. This is Daniel out of Los Angeles. <laughs> My voicemail is probably at the bottom of the totem pole now. This is uh, a day later. Uh, quick question for anyone to answer, Ryan. Um, culture of uh, Dan Weber. Uh, Tulane, um, I'm sorry, Tulsa rushed for 200 yards on Texas defense the week before. And with USC's back, because they rushed for minus five. Can anyone explain that or have any idea of how that happened? Um, I just doesn't... <laughs> Two and two, it seems like it equals seven right now. Thanks, guys. Fight on. Well, uh, I don't want to say Texas doesn't have a great football team, but then it really makes USC look worse. But I don't think Texas is a great football team. I think you encouraged them to become a good football team. I don't think they're a great team. Uh, they don't throw the ball that well. They threw the big receivers because we didn't cover them. And uh, they ran plays to the outside because you couldn't stop them. And the first drive of the game, you went right down the field and scored on them like Tulsa did. And then Tulsa got beat last week. I forget, forget by who, Arkansas State or somebody. 
So uh, I don't think Texas is a great team. Uh, they're struggling too, but you made them look good. You encouraged them before 105,000 people. They got into the game. The first drive, you took them out of the game, but you allowed them to get back in the game by blocking a field goal and giving them 10 points. That's a 10-point turnaround. I mean, you did things to allow them to get back in the game. So Texas, Texas wasn't a great game, but a great team, but you encouraged them to become a great team. And I think you sort of let up. I'm going to be honest with you. I think you sort of let up at the end of the game and allowed them to dominate. And, and you start playing players that aren't as good as other players. And it became equal opportunity. And I don't think that's necessarily a thing to do when you're trying to win a football game. I think there's too much rotation. How can Gaskins carry the ball at Washington 30 times a game? And at USC, they can't determine who the best back is and allow him to get a rhythm and play. You know, they got to give everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. I like all three, all three backs, but decide who it is. That's interesting. Yeah, we, we had a question on that, Coach, um, from uh, Chukisi1, I think. He said, what do you think about the running back rotation? So maybe just be that part of it. Well, I don't think you, you get a rhythm. I, I don't think you get enough looks at what you're supposed to look as far as pass blocking, as far as running the ball, as far as looking at the uh, areas of where you can break back. And the next time you notice how the linebacker's playing you and how he shot the gap or how you come back and go against the grain and all this and that when you're rotating every other play. And, you know, it's an uh, intramural program. I think you have to understand who's my guy, who's going to be my guy that's going to carry the ball and we're going to win or lose with this guy. And he's your running back. And I think that that's what you have to do. Now, a lot of teams rotate. I'm not saying they're not successful doing that. But me, I want the guy, why don't you rotate your center every play? Why don't you rotate the other guys every play? You can't do that. You got to get a feel. You get warmed up. You, you know what's going on as a quarterback. I think you rotate your receivers too much. Uh, I, I think you've got to be able to know how a guy plays you how you missed the block on him last time, and you'll get it the next time, how fast he is, how I have to work on him, how I can get by him, how I can run a stop route, how, what do I have to do to run a slant, what do I have to do to get open. Well, when you have a chance to run a lot of plays, you get a feel on your opponent. But if you're rotating all the time, what the feel do I get? I don't get any feel. And again, you've got to have communication on the sideline, too, with your coaches to talk about it. When you're off the field, uh, and I noticed this, I mean, Ellis sits down with JT Daniels every time he comes off the field. I like that. They didn't do that with Sam Darnold, okay? But where's the other two guys? Why aren't they they're listening to what they're talking about? Because they're one play from going into the game. Why don't they have headsets on so they know what every single player, what's being called? So that they're educating themselves and feeling a part of the game itself. And get rid of all the people on the sideline. My God, I mean, you can't even walk up and down the sideline. This is a job. I'm working. Get away from me. All these people, I don't know who they are. Donors or whatever, that's great, but keep them out of the, the players' uh, area. I think there's uh, too much of a distraction there for the players and coaches to work in. And uh, these are just things I see. Maybe other people don't look at this, but as an old coach, guy that's done it, I know how I did it. And, and uh, I think that 
this is a work day. This is surgery. I don't want anybody in the operating room, okay? Get out of the operating room. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, talking about the, 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 you know, the run game uh, where, you know, USC wasn't able to run the football, but, you know, both Maryland and Tulsa were. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of They have of it, no series. I didn't answer it. They have <laughs> no series. They just stop one guy in the run game's over with. The quarterback doesn't run the football. Who runs the football? The one back. And and the linebacker just shoots the gap, and they stop the play before it gets started. Once they get a feel of it, it's over with. Yeah. Because there's one back. There's no counters. There's no nothing. Uh, it's it's. I don't know what they're running. No counter sweeps, no pulling their linemen, leading through the hole, no power plays, uh, no outside dust. Uh, plays to hold anybody, no bootlegs. I mean, the you know, none of that stuff. I, I don't understand. I don't well, know. I think a lot of it starts from what I'm, you know, I'm rewatching the games, watching the offensive line, and continually you see, um, you know, one lineman not blocking anybody and another guy coming free. It just seems like there's a lot of communication problems. And Tom in the South Bay said, Helton said he's not concerned about the offensive line in his press conference. Uh, what is he saying? We have the same problem with the offensive line for three years. That tells me that there will be no change for the rest of the season. What do you think? Fight on Tom and South Bay. Well, again, he's being too loyal to his coaches. I mean, because again, uh, everyone sees what's happening. It's not like it's a secret. You see replays. You can watch a game many times. Uh, you see exactly what, uh, I think his name was Tom that called and, and you can see the the the, the miss blocking assignments. You can see the lunge blocking. You can see the position steps. You can see uh, uh, not being in the proper position to block somebody, or getting up the field, and or picking up the linebacker, or, or a twist going on, and the guy twists away from you, and you're not ready for the guy to come into you from the outside. I mean, you can see it. So how can you say that it's not happening? It's absolutely happening. And uh, you got to act like an athlete. You got to be athletic to play on the offensive line too. And you got to be in a football position all the time. And the reason why they're off balance so much is they're thinking and they're not really recognizing what's happening in front of them. You should never get out of a football position as an offensive lineman, especially on pass blocking. As far as keeping your arm out, keeping your eyes worked the line of scrimmage, know what's going on, understand all of those are terms you talk about all the time with people. And again. Uh, the offensive line coach Callaway is a good friend of his father and all this and that. So how do you spank your father? I mean, you know, <laughs> there's what you call loyalty, but then there's again, a responsibility and believe me now, folks, Clay Helton. I like Clay Helton as an individual and a person. This is very difficult for me to say these things, but again, it's what I see as you see as a football person. And uh, I want USC to have success. But it's difficult to have success when you continually make the same mistakes. Let's uh, let's try to rapid fire a few of these and we'll let you go, Coach. Is that cool? That's cool. Yeah. I know, Coach, you're not really a rapid fire guy, but that's what we do. That's what, we love your thoughts. You're just like your brain, just, you know, everything you think about it comes out and it's awesome. So we love to get all those thoughts. Thank uh, you. Jared in Salt Lake city. Do you feel Clay Hilton has lost the support of the fan base? I think it's been difficult. I think he had a tough time establishing it when he was hired. There was a question mark when he was hired of 
oh, this is not the right guy. Oh, this is not the guy that we can win, win national championship with. And that's the only thing they've been talking about. And he got talked into to mentioning that all the time to, because he wanted to satisfy the people that maybe didn't believe in him that we go to SC, that win the Pac-12, we want to play in the playoffs and so on. Just my feeling is, is just win one game at a time, okay? Do you ever hear Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney talk about we're going to do this, we're going to win national championships, that's why we're here. They don't have to talk about it. They just do it. Yeah. You don't need to talk about it. Just do it. That old saying that Nike has. Yeah. That's what you do. Don't talk about all these things. Just execute it and let it happen. There's too much discussion about all that stuff. All right. Uh, Keith in New Jersey, he says, perhaps it's time to face the facts. Even with immense talent, this is simply a rebuilding year. On another note, perhaps the Pac-12 is simply a joke of all the Power Five conferences in 2018. Love my Trojans, but I'm just trying to use my head for the moment. Fight on, Keith in New Jersey. is It's a really talented team. Is it really a, a rebuilding year, Coach? Well, you can't continually say rebuilding year, rebuilding year, rebuilding year, but it used to be it's a sanctioned year, it's a sanctioned year, it's a sanctioned year year and now it's a rebuilding year i mean there's a, a point when you can only say that for so long and i don't think it's a rebuilding year okay all right i think you've had your years to put some steel in the concrete and it's time to move on into pac-12 i thought it was embarrassing last week three mountain west conference team beat three pac-12 teams that's no bueno <laughs> that's bad um, the cat man, he's frustrated in Signal Hill, says the program is suffering from a lack of strength and conditioning, focus, toughness, and poor execution from the coaching staff. Yes, the players have to execute, but they are not ready. What is going on here from the cat man? Well, cat man, I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I wish I could tell you as far as uh, if they're conditioned or not conditioned. Uh, they hire a strength coach. And they spend a lot of money on that. I don't know what they do in the weight room or how they train or their philosophy or if they all wear their own gear anywhere they want to walk wear it or they all work out at the same time or are they disciplined? They run into the weight room like Alabama does and line up on numbers and, and they're all in the same shoes, same socks, same uniform, same uh, T-shirts, and it's like a football practice, okay? The weight room is like a football practice, which means, hey, pay attention and let's get it done. There's no talking. There's no BSing. There's no flexing your muscles in the mirror. It's, hey, this is what we're in here for. Let's get it done and let's get out of here. And that's not the only program that run, runs that run it like that. But why is the weight room any different than a football practice? It's a team effort working for the same goals, and everybody's in there. It's not the quarterbacks, not the punters. They're all in there. We're all a team. Now, I don't know how they do it at USC. So I can't say that because I'm not there and I can't get in the McKay Center anyway. They got these push button locks, you know, Yeah. that uh, I could get in my safety deposit box a little bit earlier, <laughs> easier than I can get in there or borrow restrooms sometime when you go to practice. I'm not sure if any of you have ever been to, re to practice before, but you better leave early if you need to use a restroom. <laughs> Um, Rick at LA. Well, tell me, am I telling you the no, truth or you not? No, you are. You got to find the, the new uh, neuroscience building has nice restrooms. You can go there. That's uh, good. But you that, can't go to the John McKay Center. Bring a motorcycle or bring a uh, skateboard or something. <laughs> Rick in LA. Um, 
He said, it's official. I'm done with USC until Coach Kay Helton and his staff are fired and replaced with real coaches. So he says, every week we went into the same poorly prepared and outcoached team. Uh, he went on, this, he said some other stuff. But he said, I'll catch my updates from your podcast from now on. Well, thanks for keeping listening. You guys are great, but I'm out. We got some frustrated fans, Coach. Yeah, there are. And I'd hate to see you be out, okay? You're not out. You're just saying you're out, okay? <laughs> you love football, and you needed to say that to get rid of your frustration and so on. So, good. You did it. Now get ready for the next game. But you you just want to see what's going to happen, too. Uh, you want to see exactly if the Trojans can turn it around and and be a Trojan and have the pride. You just have a lot of pride in the Trojan program. And you heard me always say this. At the country clubs and everywhere, you see the colors of the Trojans, and all of a sudden, uh, you don't see as many hats that say USC on or sweatshirts that say USC on. And all of a sudden, the, do the donations aren't coming in like they used to. Hey, uh, USC's not just having this program. Check out UCLA and their attendance there. And I'm worried about the attendance Friday night in the Coliseum. And again, let's thank Larry Scott for his television uh contract that he has again a 7:30 game for the trojans another 7:30 game in arizona a friday night game with renovation going on with classes going on with all these things happening in southern california have a friday night game okay i don't know how how you could as an administrator uh, and i don't know where it starts from the college president what allow this this year with the renovation yeah. no parking Friday, everything else, no tailgate area, and people who are playing paying top line top dollars to go to a Trojan game. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I, I, I and I'm not saying boycott the game. I'm saying go to the game, but take the day off, okay? Yeah, take the day off. And, yeah, <laughs> and get there a little early. Yeah, it's good. This is the worst decision. USC should have never allowed this to happen during the construction there's enough problems at the coliseum now you're gonna do a friday night game uh really dumb uh, okay real quick we'll finish it off john uh in san jose he wrote in about um you know because of all the turmoil around usc and pat hayden do you think usc couldn't hire a good coach that's complete utter bullcrap do not it's usc it's a top five program of all time they don't care that it's pat hayden if they don't really want to work for him they would want, if you're an alpha coach, you want the USC job. So that is complete crap, John. Never, ever believe that. I've said that 50,000 times. I'll say it 50,000 more. No, completely wrong. And then Judy wrote in, with all the stats you guys keep, does Clay never, uh, you know, in all the records and trends you guys are showing, does he ever ask for your collective opinion to talk about us in the media? No, he gets paid millions. We get paid hundreds. So no, he's not asking us our opinion on things. Um, they probably read our stuff and they get a vibe of what the fans are feeling, but no, they're not giving us a call and saying, Hey, what do you think we should do? Uh, those guys pay grade are way, way, way above ours. And then one last one for you, coach about the officials. It's a voicemail. Yeah. Hi, Ryan. Um, this is Ray C again from, uh, Riverside. I was calling Yeah, I'm an ex, uh, football official. And, uh, after watching the game, uh, against Texas, um, not only did the officials blow the call in the end zone, which is evident safety, but when they spotted the ball, when they spotted the ball about six inches, maybe eight inches out from in front of the line, that was just clear homers, homerism. 
And uh, I would like I'd like to hear from uh, Coach Hyde on this. I mean, this was just blatant. Um, uh, these officials, um, hopefully, Lynn Swan, the uh, the uh, athletic director, or maybe they have a liaison or something like that 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 deals with the NCAA complaints or something. But the, hopefully, they will. Uh, somebody will contact the NC2A, and um, these guys should not get a bowl game this year, and maybe maybe not next year. I don't know. They, they shouldn't get a bowl game this year, and they shouldn't be. They should be on the bottom of the totem pole next year for uh, their their schedules. So if they can't do the job, then they need to get out. That's all I got to say because there's plenty of other guys that want to move up. So anyway, thank you very much, and thank thank you for taking my call. Okay, bye bye. Well, thank you for calling in, baby. I'll tell you what, you always work my games. You were always good at my games. Like, you knew what was going on. I'm just kidding you, but I agree with you 100%. I think it's one of the worst officiated games around. Even, hey, you can't get announcers and Mike Piera to say, I don't know what they were looking at, unless it's really bad. And I noticed exactly what you did. He barely got out of the end zone, they're saying, and they I, I don't think it was six or eight inches. It was almost a foot they spotted that ball past the end zone line. I, I said the same thing. Are you kidding me? I said they had to review it, and they're doing that. I said that was ridiculous. A lot of the calls were ridiculous. There was no consistency in the game at all. I don't want to call it a homer type of situation. It was a Big 12 crew that worked the game, but it was a crew that really – could make the decisions, and I don't know who was upstairs reviewing these things, but he needs a new set of glasses, okay? And he's doing it part-time, and as a coach, I used to say, hey, Joe, I coach full-time, you do that part-time. And I used to say, you got to spend more time at, you know, looking and enjoying or understanding how important all of your calls are. Now with review, uh, and the opportunity to review, they, they, you can't tolerate those type of calls. Absolutely ridiculous. That was a big play in the momentum of the game. A huge play that the Trojans didn't have an opportunity to get. Big play in the end zone. They would have gotten the ball back, too. They'd have had 16 points, gotten the ball back. And it would have been a, a huge, an opportunity to score again. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think the officiating was ridiculous. And I think that instead of being always politically correct, I mean, everyone's worried about being politically correct. I think there should be more of a stink on things like that. And I think that Lynn Swan should write a letter. I mean, don't worry about what people think. Stick stick up for your program. Stick up for your coaches. Stick up for your players and your fans and say, that was ridiculous. Because people will respect you more when you do the right thing rather than do what your colleagues think your colleagues think are right or your president. Do what your responsibility is. Support your programs. 100% agree, Coach. All right, well, we went a little long. We appreciate, I don't care. We appreciate your, uh, all your thoughts, Coach. And uh, Yeah. Thanks to all the questions. We did our best to, to get through the majority of them. So uh, great stuff from the fans. Uh, we do appreciate you writing in and all of that, calling in and uh, texting in. Did you, you did, Was he really an official for you, Coach? Was it Ray? No. no okay. I don't know. I yeah. don't think he was alive then. Okay. <laughs> no, he probably he, – but, he, but I, I, you know what? It takes a lot for an official to criticize an official, okay? 
Yeah. Because officials usually say, you know, we do our best and 99% of the time we're correct and blah, blah, blah. For an official to criticize an official means it had to be pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Well, Coach, we appreciate you coming on. And thanks to everyone for listening. Sorry it was a couple of days later than we normally do. Like I said, we had a bunch of other shows. Don't forget, hashtag USC change. If you want to get, we're going to try to collect everyone's thoughts on one thing you could change about this USC football program to improve it going forward. Uh, and we're going to talk with Dan. Weber. Hey, make talk this to- happen. Ryan, make this happen. Sure. Please don't make it all the same. Fire the coach. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't we, say that because we, then you're going to come up with some percentage that 90% of the people has said fire the coach. No, come up with something construction, constructive about what you see as far as the football part of it because yeah. I don't like to see those type of things come out. I that's, don't. That's so, fair. And that's and, and I think that's what a lot of the stuff has been, but there's some individual stuff too that you know, we want to see like, hey, I'd rather do an extra day of full pads or I'd rather do um, you know, practicing special teams less or whatever it is. Like yeah. there's, I think some constructive don't count, things. don't count any of those fire to coach. Okay. okay. <laughs> you could say things like make a change in I'm the not... offensive staff or whatever, but don't say fire clay help because that's not going to, that's not what we want to hear or not what I want to hear. Okay. That's not going to happen as far before as this part of the season. Yeah. That's not going to happen during PAC 12 play, but I mean, Obviously, that's something that could be in play after the season if things don't go well. This was more about something you could change right now that's realistic, like so Coach says. Firing Clay Helton right now is not really realistic. So, uh, All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll have a Dan Weber show a bit later on today. So you get done listening to this one, you can listen to that one too. Uh, more of your questions, more of your comments, Dan's thoughts uh, from what's going on. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.